What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Playmakers Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Elwood, and on today's show, we're going to hear from CBS Sports' Tracy Wolfson. Wolfson has spent 15 years working at CBS, but is currently the lead reporter for the NFL on CBS, as well as NCAA men's basketball. She's covered numerous Super Bowls and Final Fours, among other notable sports events. But this week, Wolfson will be on the call for the Week 9 game between the Green Bay Packers and the Los Angeles Chargers, so we'll chat with her about that game, as well as her career as a reporter for CBS. So now let's welcome in Tracy Wolfson presented by Mercury Insurance. All right, let's bring in Tracy Wolfson. Tracy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Helen? I am good. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. So you have spent 15 years with CBS serving in a variety of roles, but most recently as lead reporter on NFL and NCAA men's basketball games. But what do you love most about your jobs? You know, it's a it's a give and take, actually. I love the fact that I travel to new places, that I get to be, you know, on the road and, and watching these games and seeing a different game weekend and week out and, and not really knowing what to expect, kind of riding the wave of the NFL and digging through all the storylines. And then, of course, it culminates with the playoffs and, you know, depending on the year, a Super Bowl. And, right. You know, that's that's one of the things I love when I say it kind of has, you know, the other side of it is I do, I am a mother and I do have to leave my kids every weekend. I have three boys. And so that's the tough side about it. But when you're on the road and in the moment and, and you know that you have the game coming up and that's what you're preparing for, you know, it's as exciting as ever. And it, and it is ever changing, which really, you know, adds to that. So I asked Shannon Spake this last week because she covers NASCAR in the NFL, but what are some parallels between the two sports that you cover, despite the fact that you're dealing with at times both extremely young players like in the NCAA and then also seasoned veterans in the NFL? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's completely different. You know, when it comes to the NFL, as you mentioned, you're you're covering pros. And so first off, they know how to handle the media. They can really do whatever they want. They don't really need to get the permission. It doesn't need to be set up as much. When you talk about the actual game, you know, in the NFL, you have a three and a half hour, you know, sometimes three hour game where you get a lot of time to get those stories in. Mm -hmm. And in the, you know, in a college basketball game, I mean, you're talking at the most two hours and it's so fast paced back and forth. And you have very little time when it comes to that as well. And I think, you know, the seasons are different for me. I cover the NFL from, you know, the beginning to the end yeah. for college basketball. I really jump in around right before March Madness. So I actually think I get pretty lucky because <laughs> that's the best time of college basketball is March Madness leading into the final four. And everyone asks me what, you know, what do I like covering better? And I always say I love regular season football, but I absolutely love March Madness and the final four because I, I believe there is not a, an event like it. And a lot of that has to do with the youth and a lot of it has to do with the fan bases and college in general, as I witnessed covering the SEC, that passion, that tradition that goes along with every game. You don't get that as much in the NFL just because of, of the youth factor and being that it's, you know, college and the pros. What makes for a good sideline reporter? Specific sideline reporter, I think, one of the things is to be able to get in and out of a story in 30 seconds or less, because a lot of times you're trying to fit it in and you're trying to do the add on. And 
the key is not covering up the play because what mm. fans are watching is they want to watch the game. They don't want to watch you. And so being able to, you know, get the information in a concise, quick way, I think is one of the key factors to being a good sideline reporter. I think number two, when it comes to interviews, asking the right questions, eliciting the correct responses, or actually not necessarily correct, but great responses that, you know, fans are like, oh, wow, and you get some emotion out of it. Mm -hmm. And, And listening to that person that you're interviewing, you can follow up on the questions. And then I think, you know, being a team player, because that's really what it comes to, you have to be really selfless, because it's, again, it's not about how many times you're on the air, it's the quality of work that you do on the air, and behind the scenes, and people don't realize the amount of stuff I do behind the camera during a game day, or while we're on the air for those three and a half hours. A lot of the stuff I pass on to the booth never gets on the air. Maybe it'll get on the air through Jim and Tony. Maybe it'll get on through a camera shot. I might be telling my cameraman or my director something to shoot or what's happening or why there's a flag. So all this information, if you can just be part of the team and not get so caught up about being in front of the camera or how many times you get on, it'll all wash out in the end. You might Mm -hmm. get on 10 times at one game and two on the other. But to me, if you are part of that team, then there is a you know, a complete reason why you should be out there. So when you talk about eliciting that response for those questions, I've read you said it's not really about showcasing knowledge necessarily, but how do you formulate those specifically like post game, for instance? Yeah, I mean, I think first things I always kind of have a list and you're right when you say, you know, it's not about let's spew out as many stats as you can Mm -hmm. to show how much you know. You know, the shorter the question, the better. One, you'll get more questions, potentially. And two, you get right to the point. And so, you know, sometimes you you lose the, the person you're interviewing because they're talking too much in the beginning. And so I find I kind of have a checklist a lot of times in my head. I'm like, okay, you're going to ask about the game, obviously, number one. You're going to ask about a potential play that happened that may be you know, swung the game one way or another, or you're going to ask about a player that had an effect on the game. And then number three, you're going to basically spin it forward, kind of wrap it up and spin it forward. So I always have those three questions in mind. Look, a lot of times you're getting one. I'll be on the air and they'll say, you have one question. You're like, oh my God, well, how do I put all of this that I want (laughs) to say into one question? That's the most difficult part about it because there's always that lead up to the second question, which is usually the most important question. So it, it's a balance and it just really comes with experience. So you're five foot two, I'm five foot two. <laughs> so personally, I love seeing you out there. But you were quoted as saying your height makes you tougher. How so? Mm-hmm. You know, I think I get in there. I, I kind of feel <laughs> like I have to put on this like tough persona and not let anything knock me down and stronger than I am and taller and bigger and and just you know be out there I mean you don't want to uh you don't want to be looked down upon literally and yeah. figuratively <laughs> you know and so I kind of go in there I feel very I think you know sometimes you feel like that gives you confidence I go in there and and it was in relation to the Tom Brady interview At after the Super, the Super Bowl, Bowl. Right. and yeah I mean I, I've been used to trying to 
breakthrough crowds from the SEC when you don't only just have the media reporters out there, but you have the whole entire stadium storming the field. (laughs) So, you, you know, you're trying to navigate through crazy fans to get your interview. So when I had to do that for Tom Brady, I was really used to it. I was in that moment. And like I said, you know, it made me tougher out there. I was just bulldozing guys down to get to my to my interview, to my spot, and make sure I was in the right position. So I do think that it makes you tougher. So we asked what makes for a good sideline reporter, but what is it about the job that keeps you excited year after year and season after season? I think the fact that, you know, every year is different. You don't know what it's going to bring. You don't know what your schedule is going to have. You don't know what the teams are going to be like or who the star players are going to be, where you're going to go. You know, I started my career, uh, one of the jobs I had was at the MSG Network in New York. And I remember it, it was the Knicks and the Nets and the Jets and the Giants and the Yankees and the Mets. And it was over and over and over again. And I got to a point where I kind of, didn't even need to watch. I could have written the script without even watching anything. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted a change where every week it would be different. And it doesn't matter whether I'm covering the Chargers again or the Packers again, but the game is still different. The teams are different. The matchup is different. The stars are different than when I last covered them. And so that's what I love. And then when you talk about basketball, well, it's March Madness. You never know what to expect. <laughs> and that's what's so great about that event. We'll get back to our convo with Tracy in a few, but we wanted to remind you that you won't miss a minute of the action with the official Los Angeles Chargers app. Follow real-time stats, watch your favorite Bolts programming, and live local Chargers games all season long. Download today at chargers.com slash app. Geographic and device restrictions apply. Local and primetime games only. Data charges may apply. Chargers fans, we know you love the Bolts, but you probably also love saving money too. And Mercury Insurance can help with that because Chargers fans save an average of $769 with Mercury. That'll get you great seats for the next game and jerseys for the whole family too. So what are you waiting for? Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com to see how much you could save. It only takes a few minutes to switch and it could save you a lot of money. Don't wait. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com and go Chargers. Savings info based on 2019 California Department of Insurance rate comparison profile 38A. Individual savings may vary. Now let's get back to the interview with Tracy Wolfson presented by Mercury Insurance. So let's get to Sunday's game between the Packers and the Chargers. You were actually on the call back in 2015 between these two teams. Phillip Rivers put up 500 passing yards. It had a wild ending, but now this is the 2019 version. So what are your thoughts on this game? Well, I think, you know, you know the Chargers better than anyone and certainly better than me having been around them every game this season. But, you know, the game I covered this year was against the Broncos and, you know, completely shocked at how that one turned out and how the Broncos were able to go in there and just dominate. And I think we're seeing a Chargers team that it, it seems like we say this over and over again each year where they're losing games by seven points or less and the ball's not going their way. And I know it did finally last week again, or this past week against Chicago, but uh, the injuries always play a part in Chargers and their success. And we're seeing it again this year. And now they're facing a team in the Packers that looks like everything is clicking. Mm -hmm. And I was at that game a few weeks ago against Oakland where Aaron Rodgers just came out and, you know, had a record performance. And it was incredible to see the job he did and how things are clicking with him and Matt LaFleur. So 
Um, it's going to be a difficult game for the Chargers, but I love this matchup between Philip Rivers and Aaron Rodgers. To me, you know, that's certainly one to watch. Yeah, when you talk about those two QBs, what is it like getting to cover a game with such a marquee quarterback matchup? I love it. I, I really do. And that's, I, you know, I always say that's kind of probably one of the reasons we're covering the game mm-hmm. is because of these two stars. And that's, we should, we should be present for that. We've been present for so many of their uh, games throughout their career. And they're, they're different personalities too. I mean, I love being around both of them. And Philip Rivers to me is just, you know, as, as you know, he loves to do that trash talking yeah. without the cursing and he gets <laughs> all fired up and into it. And, you know he's going to just relish the opportunity to go against Aaron, but in such a positive way, you know. And I can't wait to see how they interact pregame and what they say to each other postgame. And, and Aaron also is just a, a unique cat, you know. He's just He's got that, like, emotion, but it's in a different, a different kind of way. A little bit, you feel like he's always playing with a little bit of a chip or an mm-hmm. edge on his, on his shoulder. And, um, you know, it's going to be a treat for us to be able to cover this game. How does the Chargers change at play caller affect this game? You know, it's always hard to change an offensive or defensive coordinator in the middle of the season. Obviously, Anthony Lynn felt as though the time was right, um, whether it was what was happening with the run game, whether it was just different philosophies. Um, I, I think you. I think this is a challenge to your head coach mm-hmm. and also Philip Rivers as the leader of this offense to kind of, you know, make sure it doesn't become a distraction and make sure whatever, whoever steps into place understands the, his role, but understands that there's also maybe some, some top people or players that might not be happy with the change. And so there's that fine balance there. I don't know, you know, what, what it's going to look like on Sunday because of it. And when we sit down with the Chargers um, this week, we'll get a little bit more information. But I do think as the head coach, you have to say and explain to your team exactly why you felt uh, the time was right to make the change in the middle of the season. You mentioned the Packers offense has been clicking as of late. You saw them pretty recently. Oakland didn't do a great job at this, but how do you contain number 12 back there in Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> You know, it's really difficult. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think the key uh, is keeping them off the field. Yeah, and so possession. You know, exactly. I think it's really going to come down to Philip Rivers and to the offense and controlling the ball, and and then it, it means you got to run the football. And so I think that's huge against uh, Green Bay. Just keep him on the sideline, keep him watching. Uh, and then, obviously, defensively, pressure him. He was pressured last week. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to get to him, and, and we know what the Chargers have, those pass rushers, and, and can, can get to them and so get to him. And so um, I think it's a combination of two, you know, try and rattle him a little bit, although he seems like he could just throw the ball off his back foot under pressure and score a touchdown every time, as we saw this past week. But um, I think that's what you have to do. Try and keep him off the field, control the time of possession, as you said, and then just rush him and, and get him off his mark. And then lastly, Tracy, in the last two weeks, one of those pass rushers, Joey Bosa, has racked up four sacks, five tackles for loss, six quarterback hits. What makes him such a dominant force? I mean, I just think it's his strength. I think it's his emotion. I think it's his motor. I think it's his passion, you know, and it's just, been ingrained in him since he was a kid and you know competing against his brother and you know that just 
that makes you go. And, and that competition that has been kind of there your whole entire life, whether it was on the football field against kids your own age or against your brother and in the living room or outside on the playground, or it doesn't matter, as I know with my three boys, there's <laughs> always competition there. So um, I think that's really what it comes down to, that he is just completely dominating. Uh, it's such a pleasure to watch. And, and I'm sure he's excited about this opportunity and trying to get to number 12 as well. Well, we are excited to see you out there on Sunday, Tracy. So thank you so much for joining me today. We so appreciate it. Hallie, thank you. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you out there. And that's a wrap on this week's episode of Playmakers. Many thanks to Tracy Wolfson for talking about her career and previewing this Sunday's game against the Packers. One final reminder to subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. And good news, we just launched on SoundCloud and Spotify. The Chargers Podcast Network is your one-stop shop for all things Chargers directly from the team, including in-depth conversations and analysis with players, coaches, executives, national reporters and broadcasters, and much more. Be sure to rate and review on all podcast platforms and thanks for listening. Catch you guys next time.